Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Grab your Bibles with me, please. Let's, let's dive into the Word. Ephesians chapter 4 is where we're going to start. Ephesians 4. We'll dip into Ephesians 5 here in just a second as well. So um, somebody asked me last week, hey, was that the, the, the last of the I, can't, uh, the I Can't messages? And I said... I have no idea. And uh, during this week, I found out the answer to that. No, it's not the end of the I Can't. So now, apparently, this one message has become an I Can't series. Um, and so we're going to talk about something else today, the, kind of taking the next step with, uh, with the I Can't message. Ephesians chapter 4, we'll start in verse 21. Um, let me say this real quickly, though. If, if you uh, are a note taker, if you like to write down, like if I... If I uh, give you an example of a prayer, or I give you some declarations, or I give you something, uh, sort of a list of things. If you like to write all that down, uh, I would recommend that today you just go online and, and, um, and go to the YouVersion the Bible app and uh, find the, what they call the event and, and find this service today at Covenant Life. And um, the message is called Putting on Christ. I'd recommend you just go and download that because there's a ton of Scripture. And if you are the kind of person that wants the scripture references so you can go back and look it up, which I, I highly recommend, then let me know. I'll be happy to provide all the references for any scripture that I use today. And there's a lot, okay? So um, with that in mind, let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, now this is a key verse, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes and then put on, so we threw off in verse 22, now we're putting on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now, Paul gives us some examples of what it looks like to throw off the old nature and to put on the new. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we're all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, this is real complicated, quit stealing. Instead, you use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow or grief to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you'll be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, again, you're seeing the put off and the put on, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Now, chapter 5, verses 15 through 20, it's really a continuation of the same conversation. Paul says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. That sounds like something your mama would tell you, right? 
Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music in your hearts to the Lord, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen to the Word of God. Can you say that with me this morning? Amen. Father, I just pray that you'd add your anointing, your illumination and understanding to the reading and the, the, the teaching and the preaching of your Word today, and most importantly, God, to the, uh, the application of your Word, that we wouldn't just be hearers, but you'd give us the courage and the strength to be doers of your Word. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you an easy question. It's not a trick question. I'm not trying to fool you. You can answer yes. Can you tell by watching whether someone is married or not? You're afraid. You're not even breathing. Did y'all hear how silent this is today? It not there or shouldn't there be? Maybe I'll qualify it that way. Shouldn't there be a difference in the way, for example, a married man acts as opposed to a single man, now you can say, yes, yes. A married man does or should approach other women differently than he did when, when he was single. Approach life differently. Uh, uh, he, he should have different interests. He should have different motives. He has different responsibilities than when he was single, right? So when you get married, though, there's not a list of rules. The guys are like, yeah, there's not a list of rules that you agreed to abide by. No, no paper to sign that says you understand what the new rules are. But everybody understands that the significance of your new covenant relationship and the love that it's based upon should bring about a change in your behavior. That when you're married, you should act differently than you did when you were single. Now, salvation is also a covenant relationship, right? It's a holy and sacred agreement between God and the individual, just like marriage is. There is an exchange that has to take place in the life of a follower of Jesus. And Paul called it putting off. We have to stop living the way we used to live, and we have to put on. We have to start living the way Jesus calls us to live, the way he lived. Now, these verses that we just read in Ephesians 4 highlighted those ways. He said, throw off the old nature, put on the new nature. Stop lying and start telling the truth. Stop stealing and start working hard and then give to people who are in need. Stop using foul and abusive language and start using your mouth to encourage people and build them up. Stop being bitter and angry at people and start forgiving people and being kind and tenderhearted towards them. Stop getting drunk, filling yourself with alcohol and drugs, and start filling yourself with God's Spirit through gratitude and praise to God. See, what, what we're saying, and more importantly, what the, what the Word is saying to us is, just like you should be able to see the difference in married people and single people, you should also be able to tell by watching whether someone is a follower of Jesus or not. Would you agree with me? Okay. Followers of Christ should have different actions, different attitudes, different motives than they did before they surrendered their lives to Him. 
Now, here's the complication in, the, in our context here in the church. Because I've just spent the last two weeks telling you that you can't do that. Right? I've just spent the last two weeks saying you can't change on your own. I've just spent the last two weeks saying you can't put off, you can't stop doing the, the, the things the, the old way. You can't uh, put off your old nature and you can't in your own power start doing the things of your new nature. So if that was true and we, and we saw it in the word that it's true, what do we do? How do we keep from getting stuck in that I can't declaration? Or maybe more specifically, how can we move from I can't to what Philippians 4.13 actually says, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so that's what I want to talk about today, the nuts and bolts of moving from I can't to through Christ. So today's message is called Putting on Christ. Putting on Christ. Now, you, you, your declaration of I can't is a necessary first step, right? We even talked about this. You can't even uh, be saved without the declaration, I can't save myself. So your, this I can't declaration has to be a first step, but it can't be a last step. You can't just declare that you can't and then just lay down. You can't just stop there. You must also declare that you can through the power of Christ in your life. It's the replacement principle. See, it's not enough to be empty of the negative. You have to be full of the positive. John the Baptist said, I, I have to decrease, but God has to increase. Right? I have to empty myself of myself, but I should also then fill myself up with Christ. That's the exchange that we have to, that we have to look at. So how does that work, though, in practical terms? Because I think we all understand that needs to happen. But how does that happen? Now, I think I, I can show it to you in the next couple of passages. And then we're going to uh, spend the rest of our time in a very familiar passage of Scripture um, that, that shows us really the how-to, the nuts and bolts of that. Galatians chapter 3, first of those two Scriptures. Galatians 3, verse 26 says, You are all children of God. So he's, he's writing to the church. You are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who've been united with Christ in baptism, look at this, have put on Christ. How does, what does that mean? How does that, how does that happen? Like putting on new clothes. You put on Christ like you put on new clothes. Now, what is it saying? We're children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. There's that declaration, I can't. I can't save myself, right? Salvation is a 100% free gift of God through the sacrifice of Jesus. It is 0% to do with anything about us, okay? It's a gift of God. It's not it's nothing we did, so we can't boast about it. But look at what it says in the next verse, that we who have put on, we put on Christ like putting on new clothes. We put off that old stuff because of what Jesus did. We have that ability, and now we have to put on the new. So if we're going to move from I can't to walking in the strength and the power of Christ, we have to do that like putting on new clothes. And I want to show it to you again in Romans 13. Romans 13, verses 11 through 14. This is all the more urgent, Paul said, because you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. And so here's the conclusion based on that spiritual reality. So remove your dark deeds, that's the old nature, like dirty clothes. And put on, 
Again, there's the taking off and the putting on. Put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day we have to live decent lives for all who see, for all to see. So, again, he, li- he lists some things of the old nature that we need to put off. Don't participate in the drunkenness of wild parties. Uh, oh, sorry, the darkness of wild parties or drunkenness. Pop back to that, the beginning of 13. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let your th- yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Okay, So again, there are things that we have to stop doing because now we're married folks. right? We're married to the Lord. We have to stop partying and getting drunk. We have to get our expressions of sexuality in line with God's word. We have to stop living immorally. We have to stop fussing and fighting about everything. And good Lord, help us remember that on social media as well. We have to stop being jealous of what God has blessed other people with. And Lord, help us remember that on social media as well. Right? We, gotta, we have to get rid of all that stuff. It has to go away. How do we do that? Verse 12 says you take it off like you take off dirty clothes. Right? You, you ever just been real, just nasty? Sweaty nasty? There's a difference in being dirty and being sweaty nasty. Right? You, you, you peel your clothes off and you just like drop it because it's just so gross you don't ever want anything to do with that again. Is that just me? Is that just my OCD stuff? All right? I, I don't mind getting dirty. I don't mind doing the hard work. But when it's over, I'm ready to get that stuff off. Right? That's the way we need to look at our relationship with the Lord. Okay, so our past is our past. Ain't no need in being, being ashamed of it, being worried about it. It is what it is. And, and he redeemed us from that. He saved us from that. Hallelujah. That's part of the testimony. But now, let's don't live in it and brag about it. Let's get it off so that we never have to put that stuff on again. Right? So you, you get that stuff off. So now, now what else do you do? According to verse 14, now we clothe ourselves with the presence of Christ. And, and in verse 12, it describes it even more. He says, we put on the shining armor of right living. That's how you put on Christ. You take off the old, you put on the new. But exactly how does one do that? Again, we get the big picture, but exactly how does that work? Well, let's look close, closer at what he says. He said, put on the shining armor. Well, where else do we hear about armor? Well, that'd be Ephesians 6. Right, so let's look at that real quickly, and this is where we're going to park uh, for the rest of the for the rest of the time together, and next week as well. Uh, a final word, Paul said: "Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power." Put on. How do you do that? Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. If we're going to be strong in the Lord's power and not in our own power, which is exactly what we're talking about, right? I can't do it in myself. I need his power and his strength. This, this is If we're going to put off the old and put on the new, then we have to put on the whole armor of God. It says the armor will help us stand firm against the strategies of the enemy. Now, the, like the enemy has a strategy. Yes, he has a strategy against you. Not just against the church, not just against pastors, but against every individual who names the name of Jesus Christ. There's a strategy 
specialized against you. Well, what in the world is the enemy trying to accomplish? He's trying to defeat you by keeping you operating in your own strength. He wants you to think you have to do all of this on your own. He wants you to look for a list of rules that you're supposed to live by. He wants you to get intimidated by those things and think that you have to do all of that in your own strength. So he he wants to make sure that you stay defeated by keeping you operating in your own strength because he knows that once you put on Christ... Once you start walking in the spiritual authority that he's given to us, once we start walking and doing everything through Christ who gives us strength, he knows that no weapon formed against us is going to prosper anymore. Right? The enemy knows that we will silence any tongue that he inspires to speak against us. The enemy knows that greater is he that's in us than he is. The enemy knows that he may come against us one way, but he's going to have to flee seven ways because we're operating in the power of the Spirit. He knows that he may come against us like a flood, but when we're operating in the power of Christ, the Spirit of God will raise up a standard against the enemy, and the Lord of Heaven's army will send a flood of his own. He will dispatch his own, whatever forces are necessary to rescue us from the situation we're in and to help us to walk into the perfect will of God for every situation. When we, anybody excited about that? This is the word of God, all right? This is what he said. This is his promises. The enemy knows the promises of God better than we do. Or maybe he just believes them more than we do because he knows that when we put on Christ... A thousand may fall at one hand and ten thousand on the other, but the attack of the enemy will not harm us. The enemy knows that when we put on Christ, that the Lord is our refuge and our strength, and that he is a very present help in our times of trouble. He knows that the name of the Lord is our strong tower, and that no matter how fierce of an attack he comes at us with, we can run into the name of Jesus and be safe. The enemy knows that God is our shield and our defender. He knows that we are hidden in the cleft of the rock of ages, that with God's power, we can run through an army, we can scale the wall, we can achieve the the objective, that in our own power, we can't do anything apart from Christ. That's what Jesus said. But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. That's why we put on the full armor of God. That's why we put on Christ, because at the end of the battle, we have the promise from Jesus himself that the gates of hell will not prevail against anything that is built upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ. That's why we need to know how to put on Christ Jesus, how to put on and why to put on the whole armor of God. So, uh, so what I want to do now is take this armor, take each piece of this armor, because the, the Bible specifically says, put on each piece of the armor and show you not only how to put it on, but why you should put on each piece. And I want this to be really practical um, for you and I to learn to put on Christ. And, and, and this is not a one-time deal. I don't, I don't know if you've noticed this, but the enemy doesn't take a day off. In your life. 
Anybody ever get like Tuesdays off from the devil? Is he just like, oh, just, just go and have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Ever? Never. He does not take time off in his strategy against you. So you better not take time off in your preparation against the strategies of the enemy. So th- this is something that we need to learn to put on every day. So we're going to read about all the armor, and then we're going to go back, and really today we're just going to get one. We're just going to get one piece of armor and learn to put that on. So Ephesians chapter 6, let's just start back at verse 10 and kind of take a run and start uh, and get through all the armor. So a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That's how we can do all things through Christ. Put on all of God's armor so you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Why? Because we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. You have no human enemy but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece, every piece of God's armor, so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil, and then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Now, stand your ground. Putting on, now here begins the armor, putting on the belt of truth, and the body armor or the breastplate of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news, the gospel, so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And most of the time people stop there. I want to go to verse 18. Uh, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Now, that's the whole armor of God. Now, I want to uh, let's let's start. This is how my OCD brain works. When I when I'm praying about putting on the the armor of God, I start at the top and work my way down. You can start wherever you want to. This not, it's not chronologically how it's listed in the Word, but this is what works best for my brain. If you're going to put it all on anyway, I'm not sure it matters which one you start with. Is everybody okay? Am I a total heretic? You need to run me out of town? Okay, so we're going to start at the top. We're going to start with a helmet of salvation. Helmet of salvation. What does a helmet cover? It covers your brain. Or for our purposes, your mind because the problem, the, the, the attack of the enemy is not coming against our craniums. It's coming against our minds, right? It would be impossible for me to overestimate how important it is to put on Christ in this area of our lives, in our minds. Paul said put, on, put salvation on as a helmet. That means wrap your mind in the redeeming work of Jesus. Why would we need to do that? Because your unredeemed mind, your old way of thinking, is going to deceive you. It's going to convince you to be more and more selfish and make selfish and stupid decisions. Will anybody admit to making at least one of those in their lives? Right? You will misunderstand things. You will misjudge people and situations. Done all of those things. But putting on this helmet of salvation is key because the salvation of Jesus is finished. It's a finished work. He is not still working it out. He said it is finished. It's done. Changing our minds 
is not up to us because we can't do that. That's a spiritual fact. But the spiritual reality is Jesus has already done that for us. We just have to put it on. Are y'all hearing me today? Are y'all okay? All right. When I start praying about um, putting this on, I almost always start with my mind. And I will declare, I'll pray something like this. Lord, I can't do this without you. You're like, what is that pronoun this? It means everything. I can't do, Lord, I can't do anything. I can't do, you look at the to-do list, you look at the calendar, whatever. You're like, eh, I can't do any of that. You ever done that? Like laying in the bed, thinking about what you got to do? You're like, no, nope, can't do, no. Nope, can't do that. Nope. Okay. So you just go ahead and admit, Lord, I can't do this without you. I can't make right decisions. I can't even think about stuff correctly. But see, that's not enough. That's the I can't declaration. And that's where you start. But you can't stop there because you actually do have to do some stuff. So what do you do? You have to move towards putting on Christ. And so I have learned to say, Holy Spirit, I surrender my mind to you. We're talking about putting on salvation like a helmet. Holy Spirit, I, I surrender my mind to you. Guide my thoughts today. You know, I pray every decision I make and every word that comes out of my mouth would be guided by the wisdom and the knowledge and the discerning of spirits that only comes from your Holy Spirit. I pray that every decision and every thought that I have and every word that I speak is rooted and grounded in your love and that it's in keeping with the destiny that you have for me and for my family and for our church and our community. Now, let me explain a few things because I used a lot of spiritual vocabulary in there. I want to explain a few things to you. The spiritual gift of knowledge is not like an earthly gift of knowledge. It's not learning stuff. The spiritual gift of knowledge is that the Holy Spirit tells you something or shows you something that you had no other means of knowing. That you know something you should not have known or you did not learn from somewhere else. Okay? Um, the gift of wisdom operates when the Holy Spirit leads you to make the right decision in a complicated situation. He leads you to make the right decision based on the knowledge that you currently have or sometimes despite the knowledge that you currently have in the moment. The discerning of spirits is when you understand the motivation of somebody uh, that you're dealing with. You understand the why behind the what you understand why they're acting the way they're acting or why they're saying the things that they're saying you know if they're speaking you just you know it because the lord shows you that they're speaking from hurt or they're speaking from pain or they're speaking from fear or or maybe some other demonic influences going on in their lives it's very helpful in dealing with people to be able to understand their core motivations. Why? Because when you recognize that they're a human being just like you, being influenced by their past, being influenced by their trauma, by their pain, or by the enemy who's trying to work through them, then you recognize my enemy is not that person. My enemy is the greater influence that's going through. And we're both being victimized by a common enemy. And that changes the whole conversation. So it, it helps you to treat that person like a human being. It helps you to treat that person like we're on the same team fighting a common enemy. And you don't get bogged down in what they're saying or what they're doing or how they're acting. Is this real life stuff, y'all? This this like for real stuff. All right, so, so you can pray, Lord, I don't, know, I don't know what to do. 
I, don't, I, I, I need you to help me to know, uh, you know what, what I don't know. Help me to understand what I don't understand. Help me to see the people that I deal with in the way that you see them. Help me to understand what they're doing and why they're doing it so that we can all be free in you. Would this not be helpful if you got kids? Ooh, Lord. Y'all ever got kids that act like kids? Y'all ever got those? Um, we couldn't afford the perfect version, so we just got what we got, right? We got like real, live, little human beings learning to be little human beings, and it's, it, it just bounced off the walls like we all did, right? It, it would be nice, and there have been moments in my life when God has revealed things to me about my children that were going on in their lives that I did not know. And he revealed it to me so that we could, we could deal with the real issues that are going on. And it helps you. It, 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 this, this is real life stuff, not just in your family, in your, in your other relationships, in your friendships, in your job, in the church, in ministries, in, in evangelism. When, you're, when the Holy Spirit shows you what you need to see, it changes everything. Changes everything. It will revolutionary, it revolutionize your leadership, revolutionize your relationships. If we can learn to put on Christ, if we can learn to walk in the mind of Christ. And listen, it's available, not for $99.99, it's available to every believer through the Holy Spirit. Not just for special people, Okay? This is, not, this is not one of those levels that you get to that, that you're like, oh, this is, for, this is the special. There's not one of those. We're all brothers and sisters. We're all in the family of God. Everything that he provides, he's provided to everybody. And remember, this is, you're like, oh, John, what, exactly what did you say? Listen, this is not a spell. This is not an incantation. There's no magic words. There's not a formula you don't have to pray the same magic words. It, you, it's just a matter of intentionally, consciously admitting that you can't do this in your own power and, and that your mind is a mess and that it's not going to take you towards Jesus and then intentionally welcoming the Holy Spirit, which is the power of God that operates in your life, the Spirit of Christ, to come in and take over. To wrap your mind like new clothes. To cover your mind like a helmet covers the brain, the head of a soldier. I'm also learning as part of this um, putting on Christ, as part of this putting on the, the, the whole armor of God and specifically the helmet, uh, uh, salvation as a helmet, um, I'm also learning to make declarations over myself. And again, this is not... You're like, John, that's, that sounds like weird, you know, some self-help mumbo-jumbo. That, that's not what this is because that stuff is rooted in pride and your own personal greatness of your humanity, which the, the Word teaches us that's just not the case. That This is based on, uh, on the Word of God. It's replacing the lies of the enemy, the lies of my flesh, with the truth of God's Word. It's putting on Christ, wrapping my brain in the salvation that He provides like a helmet. Why? Because the only way to, this is, a, this is easy, okay? The only way to uproot a lie is with what? The truth. The truth. And so many of the problems that we struggle with in our lives 
are rooted in lies that we've believed about God or lies that we've believed about other people or lies that we've believed about ourselves. And when those lies take root, they wrap themselves, uh, entangle themselves in our thought processes to the point that we can't even perceive reality correctly. Have you ever talked to somebody who's really, really deceived about a particular area of their life and you're like, that's not even what happened. That's not even what they said. But they can't, in their own power, they can't see or hear clearly because they've been deceived. So the more truth you get into your brain, the less room there is for your own sinful and selfish thoughts and the less room there is for the thoughts or the lies of the enemy. All right. Remember, it's a putting off and a taking on, and you have to replace the emptiness. So Romans 12 says, if we want to be like Christ, which is what we're supposed to do, then we get transformed, how? By the renewing of our minds. And we renew our minds with the truth of the Word of God. That's why I've, I've begun making these declarations, and I would encourage you to make biblical declarations over yourself as well. Why? Because it, it renews and conditions your mind. So the enemy also likes to sow seeds of doubt and seeds of defeat in your mind. Just as you go throughout the day, he will try to discourage you and discredit the word and discredit your, your relationship with the Lord. He will, he will tell you lies constantly in, in different situations throughout the day. He'll, he'll try to tell you you're not worthy. You're not worthy. God, Yeah, maybe God loves you, but he don't love you like he loves all these other special people. That you're just not on the same level. He'll try to tell you, you've done too much. You've gone too far. There's just no way that you'll ever catch up with the people that you look, you look up to. He'll tell you that you've messed up your brain and you're just going to have to live with it. That you're just too twisted. You're just too confused. That you're just too dumb. How many people have, have you heard say, I'm just dumb. I'm just stupid. I just, God couldn't use me. I just, I'm just not smart enough. Stop that. The enemy will tell you, you just have to live with your low self-esteem that comes from the past of, of abuse that you've lived through. The enemy will tell you, you have to live with the anxiety and the fear. He'll tell you that, that negative thought process, those cynical comments that just naturally come out your mouth. That's just who you are. You should just get used to Just embrace it. He'll tell you that you have to live with the belief that there's something fundamentally wrong with you. That makes you different from everybody else. That you're broken and everybody else is whole. He'll tell you that you have to be tormented. Your mind has to be tormented by the pornographic images that you either intentionally put in your mind or that were forced into your mind by somebody else. He'll tell you that you have to be tormented by the abuse or the trauma or the tragedy that you see when you close your eyes at night. Those are all lies of the enemy that bog down your brain from being able to put on Christ. They're lies. You can be free. You can be healed. You can be delivered. You can be clear-minded again. You can stand upon the, the, the truth of God's word that applies to you and everyone else in the world. You can. So I'm learning to say over myself, I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. It's, it's, it's in the Word. I, I am not a victim of my thoughts. 
You have, you have ever somebody ever told you, or maybe you've said it yourself, I just can't help what I think. This, these, pop, these thoughts just pop in my head. I just can't not... I just can't not think about it. Yes, you do have authority. You, you are not a victim of your thoughts. Through Christ, I can control my thoughts. I have the authority to take every thought captive and force that thing to conform to the truth of the Word of God. And if it won't conform, I have the power through Christ to make it leave. That my mind, you confess, my mind is being washed by the water of the word of God. Not just the word that I might read today, but every word, every verse, every scripture that I have ever read in my life, the Holy Spirit brings those things to my mind at exactly the right time to wash away everything that's not pleasing to him. We, we declare, I surrender my mind to the Holy Spirit to do his work in me and through me, that when he reveals something wrong, some sort of wrong thinking, that I'm pulling down every stronghold, every imagination, every thought process that exalts itself against the knowledge and the truth of Christ. And I'm pulling up the roots so that it has no place in my mind. I declare that whatever is good and just and true and pure and honorable and admirable, that's what I'm choosing to think about today. I, I do not have to walk in anxiety. I do not have to walk in fear because he promised he would keep me in perfect peace when I keep my mind fixed on him. That I have the peace of God which passes all understanding. That I have the wisdom and the knowledge of God through his Holy Spirit. That I have the direction of God because I have acknowledged him in all my ways and now he is ordering my steps. I, I declare that I don't have to earn this. I don't have to deserve this. That my mind belongs to God because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. So you declare today I put on salvation as my helmet and, and, and the mind of Christ in place of my own mind. You say, uh, John, that's a, that's a lot to pray every day. Well, you don't have to pray all of it every time. But you could, and probably even more. Here's the real question, is not how long does it take. The real question is, wouldn't you rather spend five minutes getting your head screwed on straight than spending the rest of the day fighting that battle in your mind? How much time do you waste worrying about stuff, thinking about stuff, confused about what you're supposed to do, trying to understand why that person's acting a fool all of a sudden? Why not invest on the front end, the, the time that it takes to just let God sort it all out, right? It's kind of the same principle as tithing. You give him the first and the best, and he blesses the rest. If you give him the first and the best of your mental capacity, of the time that you spend thinking of those processes, then he will take it and bless it and multiply it and give you wisdom I've prayed this over myself too. Give me wisdom beyond my years, beyond my experience. Because I'm, I'm 51 years old. I'm still facing stuff and I'm like, I ain't old enough to do this. I, I'm not old enough to, to know what I'm supposed to do. Sometimes I still feel like a little boy in my daddy's suit. I'm just like, I, I, I can't do this. And God says, I know. It's okay. You don't have to do this. If you'll just get out of the way, I'll do it through you. And that's the hardest lesson of all, right? 
is getting out of the way. There are times, even in the middle of a day, a situation will arise with unforeseen. Or in the middle of the night, when everything else is finally quiet. And unfortunately, sometimes the voice of the enemy speaks louder in those moments than we're allowing the voice of the Lord to speak. The older I've gotten, the more sleep I've begun to lose over things. I'm, that's, I'm not bragging about that. I'm just saying I, I, we're all in this together. Even in the middle of the night or in the middle of a situation when I feel disconnected, when I feel unworthy, when I feel like I just don't have what it takes to get through this. I'm just not sure I'm going to make it through that. I've learned to confess what Jesus did for us on the cross, what his blood purchased for us, who he's made us to be. I, I, I still get amazed, and I love it when, when the Lord just orchestrates everything because the things they sung this morning, I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. See, we have to learn to define ourselves by this word and not by our circumstance. We've got to define ourselves by what he says, define ourselves by faith and not by the feelings that we have. Because our feelings will lie to us, our hearts, our minds are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. The, the prophet Jeremiah said, who even knows how bad your mind is, how bad your heart is? But in those moments when I'm feeling the weight of how deceptive I am of my own self how, and how, um, how deceiving and convincing the enemy is, I have learned to put on uh, our salvation as a helmet and declare the things that salvation purchased for me. So I've learned to be able to look myself in the spiritual mirror and say, I am chosen. I am chosen. I, I am called. I am transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. I am rescued. I am redeemed. I am part of the beloved. I am part of the community of believers. I am changed. I am justified. I am sanctified. I am glorified. I am rescued and adopted. I am a son or a daughter of God. I am a joint heir with Jesus that I am sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, that I have my name written in the Lamb's book of life, that I have a reservation for a new name and for a new body, that I have a reservation for a seat at the marriage supper of the Lamb that we sang about this morning too, that I am loved with an everlasting love, that there is nothing, no height, nor depth, no principality, no power, no things present, no things to come, nothing in the past, nothing in the future can separate me from the love of God. I don't have to feel loved. I don't have to know that I'm, I understand how I'm loved. I, I don't know, have to know how he did it. I just have to believe it and walk in it by faith, accept it as a spiritual reality that this is just how good he is and what he did for me, that this is who I am. Regardless of the attacks that have come against me, regardless of what my brain is trying to convince me of otherwise. I'm, I'm, just, so, I'm just so tired of being defeated. 
I'm so tired of seeing other people be defeated. We've got to stop being, just hooking ourselves up to the whipping post for the devil. Like there are days that I'm pretty sure I just walk up to it and just hook up myself. And just stand there and just wait on the beating. And that's not what he called us to. That's not why Jesus shed his blood. So that we could get tore up every day? Are you kidding me? We, we've got to stop listening to what the enemy says. And we sure got to stop believing his lies. Because everything that comes out his mouth is a lie. There is a truth that we have to learn to walk in that no one can contradict. Because it lives on a level, it lives on a plane that we can't, that, that no lie can even attain. There's a, a truth that transcends what we see and what we feel and what we can touch. And it's not just a word on a page. It's not, it's not even etched in some ancient stone somewhere. The truth that we build our lives on is the very Word of God. And the Gospel of John says that this Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And His name's Jesus. He is the way. He is the life. and He is the truth that we build our lives on. In our own power, we can't. We cannot do what God's called us to do. It's a spiritual fact. But equally true is that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us if we'll choose to put on Christ like shining armor, like brand new clothes. And the good news is this. He's already accomplished it. Not one piece of this armor depends on us. We put on the mind of Christ. He's not asking us to change our own minds. He's saying, I already changed a mind and I'll give it to you. I'll give you mine. Every piece of this armor, and we'll see, hopefully we can finish the rest of it next week. Every piece of this armor is about him. It's not about us. So whether you got saved last week or 40 years ago, the will of God is for you to become like Jesus. Not in a religious rule-following sort of way that depends on your strength, but in an intimate, personal, powerful, covenant relationship that, that allows the power of love to permeate every aspect of your life. People should be able to tell the difference in a follower of Jesus and in someone who isn't. People should be able to see the change. The change happens by putting on the armor of God. It's how you move from I can't to through Christ. Now my question for you today is an odd one. Will you enter God's dressing room today? Will you go into God's dressing room today and peel off those sweaty, nasty clothes that tie you to your old life and will you put on the new clothes the spotless robe the shining armor that he provides for us at his own cost same with me today
I appreciate your patience. I appreciate your attention. This altar is open, and, and um, I want you to come and pray. If, and you can pray about this or anything else that's going on in your life, whatever it is, you, you come and pray. But I, And I know it's, it's getting late, but let's spend just a few minutes. Corey's going to sing, and this altar is open. Let, let's spend that time. If you don't feel drawn to the altar, at least spend that time allowing the Holy Spirit to communicate with you about what might still be old clothes, what areas of your life you might be still um, living the same way you used to live. What lie is it that you've believed that he wants to now replace with the truth? And just let him do his work. Let's pray. Father, um, your word is already spoken. Your spirit is already moving to draw people, to change us, to challenge us, to offer us um, not just a better way, but the best way. And I pray that you give us the courage and the strength and the wisdom to accept your way over ours. Change us, Lord. Help us to become who you want us to be. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.